Are we really going to start the show with like a four minute diatribe against Twitter? <laughs> I mean, that's up to you. It's not, I'm not against Twitter. You're against Twitter. You said that, that Twitter a... sucked, but you were kind of bound by the fact that you had to like promote I mean, shit. It's a, it's an objective fact that Twitter is kind of terrible at times. So, you know, I'm just going to roll with it and we're just going to, we're just going to record like my like one of my last tweets says, catch me on Mastodon not having a tension headache every time I log on. <laughs> I can't with you. I cannot with you. It's it's a it's a good social media platform if you're into like gay people and furries. They're always the first ones to go to new media to new social media. Gay people and furries are yeah. always the ones to go to new social media. It's true. I... <laughs> every time every time that every time we go from Every time I've gotten to like a new social media that's not Facebook, Facebook's the exception that proves the rule. And every time I've been kind of on the ground floor of something or even like close to the ground floor on something, it's always like web devs, LGBTQ folks, and furries 100% of the time. It's always computer nerds, gay people, and furries. Now, follow-up question. How much of that is an overlap of the three? Like how many people are, are gay furry web devs? Yeah. A lot. I know. A lot. <laughs> I hate I hate us. I hate that we've opened with this. Shout out <laughs> shout out to Macedon. Shout out to Macedon.social. Okay. <laughs> okay, we should probably start this well, for real. Speaking of furries, how about that animal in our latest movie? <laughs> Here's the thing. If you're into reptiles, you're a scaly. Oh, I'm it's I not... apologize for improper terminology. Yeah. Um, Anyway, maybe we should... Uh, well, I, you've got to give the people what they want, I guess. And I guess the people want this? I don't think so. But, you know... Anyway, you thought we were dead? Well, we're not! Welcome to episode 32 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see what side of the consensus they fall on. It's like we never left. They did that... Perfect. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you really nailed it. You know, I'm... I'm so proud to have a partner like you in oh, my man. life who can Oh man. Listen to you. <laughs> well, I should probably I should probably take it now before you start dunking on me later on. I so... would never. I would never <laughs> dunk on you. I would just, you know, like occasionally tell you you're wrong, Ugh. just like as our normal relationship tends to work. Mm, well, my name is Derek Gade, and the person promising to not dunk on me but definitely will in the future. Uh, and probably over the course of this very episode, is Juan Barkeen. Say hi, Juan. Hi. Sorry, I'm taking a selfie right now with my microphone and my headphones, except I kind of look terrible. I'm sorry, I'm having like a vanity moment, but also like I hate myself moment. Well, it well, well clearly our eight-month absence hasn't changed shit. <laughs> at you, all. Juan. It's great. I love it. <laughs> um, now, right at the top... If you are listening to this episode and continue to have any interest in this podcast, we are eternally grateful to you for coming back because most podcasts, if they go, if they, if there's radio silence for, for, for eight months, they just stop listening. They unsubscribe, you know? And if you're listening to this, that means either you haven't or you've resubscribed. So thank you. And if this is your first episode, thank you for joining us, you know? Oh, yeah. We're very excited to court a new audience. <laughs> um, Our cold open involved talking about gay web dev furries. Now, that's a very specific audience we're trying to court. I mean, we can change that in post, except we won't. So, Probably not. Anyway, 
Um, let's talk about our first film. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. We, uh, time out, time out, JB. We have a little bit of um, a little bit of house cleaning to do. Uh, do we? Yeah, we do have a little tiny bit of house cleaning. Now, the astute listener will uh, remember that the movie that was supposed to follow up our last episode was Jacques Demy's The Pied Piper. Now, yes, Good that point. episode was recorded, but do it got eaten by computer demons. And uh, the salvage job took up a good chunk of our absence. <laughs> that it did. Uh, then the fall kind of happened. And then the holidays happened. And... I mean, the whole thing just kind of destroyed me emotionally and physically. Uh, to the point where I never wanted to record anything ever again. And yet here I am. One, well, here's the thing. One, you give yourself not enough credit because you're actually out there in the great city of Miami, Florida, doing actual real cinephile shit, like actual community building with movies. Thank you. I appreciate that. So in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> that is slightly more important than this pod. I mean, I love doing it all. If I had more time in the world, I would literally just be a much happier and less stressed out person who is probably not still single. Um, <laughs> plug. Hello, gentlemen. Yeah. Please come on over, gentlemen. He's single, and very, 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 too. very, very, very ready to mingle. I mean, listen, calm down. <laughs> I have, I have standards. I'm not but... saying you don't have standards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's what's more important is the standards I have for cinema. Well, yeah, it's good to have standards <laughs> for cinema. So, okay, so about about the Pied Piper, we have a take on it, and we definitely will revisit it at some point in the future, because it's a sad episode to lose, because it was a movie where you could feel our appreciation for it growing as we kept talking about it, but we'll get to it eventually. That we will. I just wanted to postpone it, because I don't like redoing episodes so quickly after having done them, and I realize it's been a year, but like... Uh, I don't want to rewatch the Pie Piper in this hot minute. So now we, so now we have a white whale. You know what's not a white whale? Oh, I can guess. A black mamba. Oh man, yeah, black mambas are not whales. And uh, why do you, why do you bring up black mambas one? <laughs> uh, well, because it's a whale of a situation that people are Ooh, dealing with. Boy. Hey. <laughs> what movie are we? Do- what movie are we talking about? One. What movie are we resetting the pod with? We are talking about Piers Haggard's Venom from 1981. Uh, yeah, this is an early 80s creature feature from the UK. I don't have anything clever, so I'm just going to go right into it. Juan, what the fuck is Venom about? Is it about this Spider-Man villain? I genuinely wish it had been <laughs> about anything other than what it was. Um, oh. Oh. Okay, it's a... Okay, I, um, it's a really convoluted film about numerous different things uh one of which is like a <laughs> all of which takes place in the same apartment more or less except for like a couple of out outside shots yeah this is kind of a bottle movie it is about a like a german terrorist uh-huh who decides to come to london for some reason that i did not entirely gather and his like his posse and his two hostages which are like a grandfather and a child who has panic attacks every once in a while, but apparently is like very, very prone to them, but barely has them while all this action is going on. I counted two. 
yeah it's like i you know whatever choices <laughs> we can discuss those later so this terrorist his posse and these hostages are trapped with a black mamba in a house and like they are also they're basically stuck between a rock and a hard place because like you can't leave the house because the cops are waiting outside you can't stay in the house because you're gonna die because the black mamba's gonna fucking kill you <sighs> and that's really that's the whole movie this movie's barely a movie this movie is barely a movie wow. yeah calling it a movie is kind of generous all right so this movie starts off with the michael Kamen score very very little thing very beautiful and it doesn't look like you're about to watch like a creature feature with like a killer snake at all they're really lulling you into this like fake british pastoral sense of security well it's like you you look at those shots of like them in the car and it's like it reminded me a lot of like some of the shots of in vehicles of like images and it was like it was okay Ooh, i'm really into this this is kind of you know like maybe it'll be more than what i expected it to be it just looked like a trashy movie but like you know maybe maybe klaus kinsey is out here like elevating the material he's not nope. shown up yet but like maybe i have here in my notes like when we first like see the house i think the idea is that it's supposed to be a kidnapping plot so they can extort the mom i believe so but like i think that's the gimmick it's i understand that like she's shown to be like they're obviously like bougie people they got a nice townhouse they got a maid uh played by uh suzanne george right i believe so yeah from uh from straw dogs yeah kit's got a lot of pets um yeah he has like a ton of like furry little animals all over his bedroom a lot of animals that could be eaten by snakes but what he really wants is a snake because his grandfather keeps telling him stories about things in Africa and whatnot. Yeah, the grandfather played by Sterling Hayden in like late in his career. The dude has quite the look. He looks like he looks like a homeless person that they pulled off the street. Meanwhile, he's like in this super bougie house with all of these bougie people who are like helicopter parenting the shit out of this child this little piece of shit kid this little annoying motherfucker oh my god very annoying well it's like i think we've discussed child actors before and like 99 of child actors are just bad sterling hayden is six foot five yes and he looks he looks like a grizzled fisherman in this movie oh my god he really does a grizzled fisherman is exactly it and he kind of like he acts a lot with his like torso he acts a lot with his limbs in this movie which is (sighs) kind of a weird choice and uh yeah so this guy is like a he plays like a safari a safari guy and the kid wants like an african corn snake right just a a pet snake right yeah and due to a hilarious mix-up at a pet shop that they don't show at all they just don't show they don't show like a shot of two boxes they literally didn't have a, a a second unit guy go just have a shot of two boxes and have the kid take one of them well, I think my favorite thing is when, like, the performances are just so inconsistent, and it's best... They're so inconsistent. It is best exemplified in the shot where he steps into the pet store for the first time, and a woman just comes out, like, screaming at him for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> and then immediately, what the f- like... What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Is that or is that supposed to be something... your British accent and also screaming? Is that <laughs> uh, kind of? 
I can't talk. I did like the worst Hugh Grant accent. Like shout out to the UK. Years Don't ago. hate me. <laughs> but no, just just as like this is the, although this is the point in the movie where it's like it shows its hand. Like okay, this is a horror film. This is supposed to be a horror film. Well, no, because okay, it's like so what... <laughs> it's really disconcerting. It's kind of scary. Well, what confuses me about that scene though is like literally within like a split second, she goes from like, oh, get out of my shop, blah blah blah, to like, oh. Oh, you're this that's boy. right. You're a customer. That's, yeah. Oh, well, I guess you're here for this. Oh, well, oh. you know, I sure love you and, like, your grandfather, whoever the fuck it is who, like, I interact with. Um, I, I, I don't remember who she interacts with, but, like, she just, like, oh, it's those youths who come in here and whatnot. And I'm just like, what's... This is so much It's very right sweaty. Now. It's very sweaty. Yeah. Like also, you know. how the lead up to when he gets to the pet store is so weird because it's so uncomfortable. Like it's like he gets shoved into a taxi cab by Sterling Hayden, and Susan George is like, "No, don't go into a cab. We have to kidnap you later for our plan." She doesn't say this, but this is insinuated. Yeah, and it's this whole to do, and he just ship Sterling Hayden just ships the his grandson out to the pet store because he's got a thing to pick up. Why doesn't he go with them? Why? It's it's this screenplay is arse. <laughs> yeah, it's to so bring bad. back your popular popular. I don't know how popular it phrase. is, but <laughs> um, I mean, it was it was it was it was a catchphrase back in the day on Justin TV. Shout out to the to the crew. <laughs> Shout out to the people who watched eighty one fest. So so he takes the wrong snake, and then we have a hard cut to the London Bureau of Toxicology. Oh my God! So so. This whole premise is so sweaty. <laughs> Where we have, we're introduced to Sarah Miles's character, who you might remember from Antonioni's Blow Up. You. She's uh, she's a toxicologist who is expecting the shipment of a black mamba. Mm-hmm. But surprise, guess where the black mamba ended up? Well, what the toxicologist ended up getting was the African corn snake, which is a perfectly docile pet snake. So that means. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, you have to imagine me doing the Macaulay Culkin face in Home Alone. They got the Black Mamba. <laughs> Kobe Bryant is in the taxi with him. I can't. I can't. Um, Come on. I never make sports jokes. Give me that one. I mean, you can have it. I just, uh, it's. I didn't realize that was, I guess, his nickname. That's one of his nicknames, yeah. Wow. That's a choice. Um. Yeah, he, well, here's the thing. He picked that nickname for himself. It's not like sports writers who assigned it to him. Oh, that's a choice. I'm on I'm on Kobe Bryant's Wikipedia page right now, and they've got his like uh, list of like accolades. Mm-hmm. So it goes like uh, five time NBA champion, two times NBA Finals MVP, NBA MVP, eighteen time NBA All Star, and it keeps going. Mm-hmm. And the last one on that list is Academy Award nominee for best animated short film for Dear Basketball. Don't fucking remind <laughs> me. <laughs> Ah, Academy Award nominee Kobe Bryant. Yeah, tied it back to movies. I whatever. I'm, you know, I'm not gonna talk about a short film that Kobe Bryant is a part of. Is involved in. I mean, that's fair. I just don't care for it. Um, I can see why people like it. It's like a very like easy Disney-ish kind of uplifting nonsense, and I just think it's it's maudlin as shit. Okay, that's fair. Well, back to something that is definitely not maudlin. No, it's... God damn it, it's not. Uh, 
So one of the formal innovate, well, not innovations, but one of the things that this movie does to sort of shake the doldrums is what I like to call snake-o-vision. The snake vision is so bad. It's not great. I admire just like how like uh, how scrappy it is. I admire that. Okay, let's just let's smear the lens and like sort of tilt it a little bit and light it weird, and that'll be the snake's vision. It's one of those things that annoys me a lot about this movie is that like I think it's actually like occasionally really really gorgeously shot yeah it's got like interesting lighting yeah like kind of expressionist lighting at points and like the first half when it's kind of just playing itself off as like a weird potential kidnapping crime drama it's like the score is really good it's really low-key it's like it's a well-made movie and then the snake comes in i like i like the shots inside the house because uh, they managed to make it look really, really claustrophobic. Yeah, they do. But generally, this is kind of not haphazardly put together. But here's the thing. The original director of this film was supposed to, was Toby Hooper. He was hired to direct this film. I saw, yeah. And he quit at some point during filming, citing creative differences, as oh, you do. God, I love creative differences. And then he went on to make Poltergeist, which ended up being the right call. Yeah. Pretty much, even though nobody, everyone always mistakenly credits the wrong person for that. I mean, Spielberg's a producer on it. I know. You know? But I no, know. I mean. What's well, the same thing with like the Tim Burton Nightmare on Elm uh, Street? Nightmare on Nightmare Street. on Nightmare on Nightmare on Christmas. Before Christmas. The War on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like the war on Henry Selick's reputation. Yeah, basically. God bless mm. Henry Selick. Such a good filmmaker. Shout out to James and the Giant Peach. Oh, for real. So good. I haven't um, seen that movie in like 20 years, but I'm sure it holds up. No, like it definitely does. I saw it like at least like a few years ago and it's still very, very good. Can we talk about Suzanne George's acting when she dies of like the rictus? Or, oh like, shock? my God. It was amazing. <laughs> it was peak overacting. Oh man. I don't like, I'm no doctor, but I don't know if that's how shock works. Well, it's like, she was like convulsing like she was in the exorcist and mm-hmm. I was living mm-hmm. for it, but also like you're in the wrong film. You're yeah. This is like, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mismatched acting in this movie. Yes, there is. Absolutely. Well, it's like everything they choose to, well, I, th- I think my favorite, my favorite, it's like things escalate so quickly in this and (laughs) my favorite bit was this guy seems like a little anxious i don't remember his name to save my life but like it's the other yeah oliver reed Um, classic bad dude oliver reed yeah he seems a little like anxious at first but then all of a sudden he literally shoots a fucking policeman he just shoots a cop he just fucking he just fucking death wishes a cop Who's at the door? He goes from like vaguely calm to like, all right. So I just shot a bloody policeman. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh shit! This. I didn't. I didn't know Hugh Grant was in the room. Fuck. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> no. Fucking. Okay. So, so the kidnapping goes awry. Like the plan is to like sort of. Susan George is supposed to bring uh, the kid into a cab with Klaus Kinski to the airport. And that's like the that's the plot, but things get fucked up because of this black mamba. Because the kid wants to put his snake in the in the vivarium, so shit goes all pear shaped, and Oliver Reed gets nervous and fucking just blows a hole in a dude's in a dude's peck, and because he was there, right? Because I guess he was just he afraid. He was like afraid it. the bobbies was gonna come for him. But the thing is, like, 
That is the worst. Nope, it is possible. Bad. Concept. bad character choice. Yes. Bad writing. Bad writing. And again, I understand that's like the trigger for like putting the them thing. between the rock ah, and the, hard the trigger. Place. Ooh, I see what you did. Uh huh. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> oh man, there's a lot of bad dude energy in this film. Yeah. Oliver Reed, by all accounts, was a horrible man, but a great actor. Same thing with Klaus Kinski. Bad yes. man, great actor. And their intensity feels very misplaced. They're, Everything about their, their, gra- their gravitas feels very misplaced in this film. You know, Kinski turned down a role in Raiders of the Lost Ark to be in this. Oh, I hate that you brought that up because that was actually probably going to be my recommendation based on that tenuous strand. Uh, uh but it's fine. I have another film that I'm going to recommend. You can recommend cool. Raiders. Raiders is great. Nah, I've I've got a better choice. I you know I'll recommend Raiders at this moment in time. Okay, well yeah, that's a good movie. Um, you said that the screenplay for it was quote, uh, moronically shitty. I know. I love that. That's it's like you chose Venom over that. It's like yeah, come he, on, because he got paid more, you know. Well, yeah, but still. But uh, no, Klaus Kinski is like a known lunatic and like a uh, yes, that he is. Full full of hot takes. If you've seen previous recommendation, uh, my best fiend, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, it's a it's a he's a real shit show. <laughs> so their their gravitas is really really misplaced in this film. It is. I don't want to jump the gun too much because okay, so it becomes kind of like this this hot house like sort of claustrophobic thriller. And we're we're eventually introduced to uh, the uh, to our to our uh, main cop character played by Nickel Williamson. Now here's the thing with Nickel Williamson. I was going to dunk on on the cops in this movie for having like this sort of generic doughy looking, just all these like weird British doughy looking dudes as cops. And I looked this guy up, and he's like, consensus among critics is that he was the Hamlet of his generation. So it was like he was he was doing the opposite of what Ollie Reed and Klaus Kinski were doing. Like he was underplaying the whole thing. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean he's not bad or anything. He's just like he looks like the human version of Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. Oh my god. That's <laughs> such a good description of him. But, you know, whatever. I mean he he's like the cop, the negotiator, and Oh, this movie also tries to displace as many women as possible. Like they it's like it's like the mother is away. Uh-huh. The main criminal woman, who is literally the first one of them introduced to us, is killed off immediately. I forgot that Suzanne George is in her bra and panties, like it, within the first five minutes. And it's like the most unnecessary scene because it weird, like it's it establishes like a very weird sexual relationship between like her and Oliver Reed. Yeah, and it's like this has absolutely no place in this movie whatsoever. No. The, I think the idea is she's trying to seduce Oliver Reed, so he's on board because she's already with Klaus Kinski. No, I get it, but it's like... You know them women, right? They're duplicitous. Yeah, but it has no place in the movie, though. It has absolutely no place in this film. This is It was entirely gratuitous. Yeah. No, it's... Ugh, ugh, ugh. Can we just talk about the part where Ollie Reed gets bitten the dick and get away with it? Yeah. All right. So Ollie Reed gets bitten the dick... In, yep. the, in, the, in the late part of this movie after he's already like miserable and in pain it's like he gets his fucking just desserts and also <laughs> gets bitten on his dick and uh man and the prop snake is so it's so bad lame it's, it's like it's uh one point of articulation the jaw yeah 
But my favorite scene is like at the tail end where fucking Klaus Kinski goes method on this guy and starts to put the snake in a half Nelson. Oh my god, yes. And, and wrestles the shit out of it, crashes through a window. And that's how you kill the both of that's the villains the bad, of the movie. Yeah, that's that's what happens. And presumably they go into a rictus shock, and that's that. And that's Venom. <laughs> it's. I understand that, like, a lot of films deal with how, like, criminals and their their activities fall apart. But, like, this movie is so frustratingly inept at establishing any kind of relationship or tension about this. It, like, plays into so many of the tropes of, like... You know, like, criminals turning against each other. But then, like, it can't do anything with that. Because there's a fucking snake in the fucking house that they have to deal with. And it's like, had this movie not had the snake, maybe... I think it would have been, like, ten times more Yeah, the worst part about this killer snake movie is the fucking snake. (laughs) Everything related to the snake. And that's, like, the titular fucking character. (laughs) Here's the thing. This movie is not as cool as the poster. Oh my god, no, the poster's the so yellow, good. The yellow and black poster for this movie is so rad. You had sold me so on this good. film via the poster. Just slightly. the poster. And Klaus Kinski. Kinski is is always... I mean, Kinski can elevate a bad movie. I've seen Android. That's a bad movie. But Kinski's really good in it. Um, and I like Oliver Reed. I mean, we've, pro- we've talked about The Devils before. That's probably the best thing I've seen him in. Yeah, definitely. And... We've got like you know Sterling Hayden, who's amazing, a legend. We've got this is a real, real stacked cast: Sarah Miles, Susan, uh, Susan George, Nicole Williamson, Michael Goff. Fucking Alfred's in this movie in a bit part. But like, what happened? What happened? I mean, what didn't happen? This movie is a shit show. Ah oh, man, this... here's the thing: I feel like if you get a couple of friends together and you watch this, you can have a good time with it. I don't know. But I don't think not... it's that fun. I think it can be fun, like, because uh, I guess maybe it's not that fun. I wish it was more fun. I mean, maybe other people like it. I don't know. It has a little It, it has a little flair. It could have used a little more flair. But I say that, but uh, our boy our boy Piers Haggard, the director, is mostly a theater guy, which is probably how Nicole Williamson got involved. Very possible. The, guy's, the, guy's, the guy has a fucking OBE for services to theater. Shit. But he came in to do a patch job, and I think that's what maybe did this movie in. That's very true. Toby Hooper realized halfway in what he was dealing with, absconded to do Poltergeist, and basically Pierce Haggard's left to put the pieces back together. So that may be the thing that does this movie in. And I think with like a better snake prop and no no passing of the directorial torch, this movie could have had legs, but much like a snake, it doesn't. It doesn't. I hate you so much but i love you i guess we can go to final final judgments on this uh juan what do you think of venom um i'm unfortunately going to have to give it a rotten i just Mm. don't think it's a very good movie it's like again had it been more fun i would have given it a pass but like it's just really really fucking stale to me like the whole time i was watching it i was like oh god like it's it's just like kind of baffling how inept and insane it is oh man so, yeah, I'm going to have to go rotten as well. This is an amazing cast, putting a lot more effort into the material than it's worth. It's not wild enough to be fun. It's just it's just dull enough to make you see the movie it could have been. Yeah. But I can't I can't recommend this even as like sort of a as even as like a laugh. 
Yeah. It's no. there's it's It's like you could watch something better with your time. Like I haven't seen Anaconda in a long time. Oh, Anaconda's so fun. But I feel like like you're like what I thought this was going to be more of an Anaconda. So did I. It's like I wanted a fun B movie and like that's not what I got. And this yeah, this is not this is not weird enough. It's not nasty enough. It's not it's not anything enough. It's just kind of it's kind of lame. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Oh well, they can't be all they can't all be winners. That's true. It happens. So, um let's get down to the final portion of our episode which yes, will sir. be recommendations for the recommendations evening. Recommendations for better things. So, uh, this was my pick. So, Juan, you're welcome to go first. And fortunately, I stepped on your initial uh, recommendation, which was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. So, um, I'm going to go with 1981 as the year of choice because I, mm-hmm. it, I, everywhere I look, it pops up as 81 except for, like, Ebert's site. I'll allow it. So, uh, I'm going to recommend a different kind of creature feature. Is the creature a tree? No, it's not. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, I thought you were going Evil Dead. No, I'm not, actually. I am going with a man who turns into a creature. And oh. that Ooh, 81 Fest. fantastic man is uh, Griffin Dunn. Ah, I see. Who I met years ago um, and was like a total sweetheart. Really, like just a nice, nice person overall. By all accounts, Griffin Dunn's a nice dude. Yeah, no, like he's he's great, excellent actor too. I love him. Um, now, quit name dropping and name that movie. An American Werewolf in London. That's by a good John ass Landis. movie. That it is. Uh, much better special effects in that one. <laughs> yeah, no, like no, I mean, uh, obviously, like an American uh, an American Werewolf in London is like best known for like its makeup, its effects. It's like it is an excellently made movie. Um. It's so good. It's funny. It's funny movie. It's everything I want out of like a creature feature type thing. Doesn't the movie use Credence's Bad Moon Rising? I probably. Ah, fuck. You know I'm a sucker for like mm-hmm. on the nose music mm-hmm. drops. Anyway. Um so yeah, that's my recommendation. Um uh, you should definitely check it out. What would you like to recommend? I would like to recommend a uh I'd like to take the easy route, if I may. Go for it. I am going to recommend a film uh, I'm gonna, uh, from the 60s, starring one Sterling Hayden, mm-hmm. called Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb by Stanley Kubrick. A plus. Good job. That is... The, the more time ticks on, the more that movie... That movie will never be irrelevant. No, it won't. It's an excellent, excellent film. That movie will never not be funny. That movie will never not be incisive. Yeah. That's it's just rock solid. I mean, there was a point in my life where I was like, eh, Doctor Strange Love. But no, that movie's rock solid. It really is, though. It's like and like I I hate being one of those people who's like, Well, you know, like I don't think any Stanley Kubrick movie will like end up aging particularly poorly, but like mm-hmm. I don't think they will. I just think he's a, like I hate saying like it's like every fucking film asshole always says, like, Stanley Kubrick's the best, but, like, it's pretty fucking great. Stanley Kubrick's pretty good. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. Yeah, you know, it's like, I'll never get tired of watching Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> Ride or die, my favorite Kubrick. Just saying. Oh, uh, man. I mean, there's days where I'm like, 
I mean, I know that 2001 is like the answer everyone says, but fuck, it's such a like a totemic movie. I get it. I understand. And I'm the asshole who picks like his least liked movie, but it's so fucking good. It's not his least liked. I mean, Fear and Desire or... Oh yeah, fair. Fine. Yeah. Or Killer's Kiss or some shit like that, right? Fair. Yes, true. But uh, some days I think Barry Lyndon, but Barry Lyndon is like... That's like the hipster choice. That's like, yeah. oh, my favorite, my favorite Kubrick <laughs> is like Barry Lyndon. I love Barry Lyndon. It's a don't great you know movie. It was, a... Don't you know that it was naturally lit, Derek? It's, here's, a, here's the thing. It's a fucking masterpiece. But the dude has like five masterpieces. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but let's stop talking about Stanley Kubrick and... um. Start talking about the next movie we're doing, Lon. What yeah. are we doing next time? Well, we are going to talk about this time... Uh, next episode is my pick. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that like I've genuinely... I've loved for a lot of years and like rewatching it now like I still love it I just you know like I can pick out issues with it this is the 2005 version of The Producers by Mel Brooks directed by Susan Stroman yes no relation with Braun Stroman the wrestler I don't know him <laughs> actually you know what google Braun Stroman oh god Braun like UN, like the I fa- like yeah, the... I found it. I found it. Okay, it's just a big wrestling person. Yep. Who looks like he would probably like attack me in a bar somewhere. <laughs> it's not my thing. Um... Mm. Oh well. <laughs> so right. yeah, next time we are doing the producers that we are. So um, thank you for listening, everybody, and I'll let Derek take us out with the lovely lovely series of um accolades that we've all <laughs> accolades yeah i don't know i'm just <laughs> we haven't won shit i've i've won shit thank you very we, much we may be the worst podcast <laughs> i mean no we're really not though it's like there has to uh, be at least like one white supremacist podcast which i'm sure we'll get into next okay week. okay okay we might be the worst film podcast <laughs> Mm, I, I guess there's, there's probably white supremacist film podcasts. As we're well. also we're also diverse in that we are not just like two straight white men talking about movies. We're no, only, but we are we are two men that. though. Yes, we are we are two men though. Fair, but I like to. think We are literally the most common film podcast <laughs> format. Two guys talking about movies. Yes, we are. Fine, fair. All right. Anyway take us out Derek all right so Juan and I run a website it's called dim the house lights you can visit it at dim the we publish reviews capsule reviews essays all sorts of film related goodies uh, mostly not even mostly but you know we run the show we're co-editors we contribute and uh, we also have regular contributions by our small but uh, small but awesome writing staff comprised of Michelle Arf, Chris Mello and Ross Burks uh Juan's work you can find at a lot of places but mostly the Miami New Times and uh my work can be found collectively at my uh online portfolio montrealschlockcity.com that is montreal s c h l o c k city.com you can find us both on twitter and letterboxd me at Derek underscore g and uh Juan at both places as whoa it's Juanito that's w o a h it's Juanito all one word it's kind of fucked up that I remembered all of that after doing That's it. That's a little amazing, honestly. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, my Twitter presence is uh, it has been diminished, but uh, search around. You can find me. 
There's not a million Derek Goddings out there. True. Well, today, Juan, we have a long day of podcast recording. Uh, we're going to do these back to back to back to back. Uh, so we're going to see each other right after we stop uh, the recording on this. But you, dear listener, we will see you. And this time I promise it's true in two weeks. That we will. And have a great night, morning, or afternoon. <laughs> oh, God. Ha, 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 ha.